Once again, everybody, and welcome to the Big Gold Belt Wrestling Podcast. We are back in a very, very exciting week in wrestling to cover here. It's your boy, Heel Will Mahoney. Najir is on the road this week. Our man, Two Chains, is on the way to New York City Comic Con. So unless he doesn't run in here at some point and surprises us, I don't think we're going to hear from him tonight. But we might. You never know. But I'll be driving the car tonight along with... The rest of the big gold belt group that we are got a pretty full house tonight because it's a big week. And heck, this might be the biggest week in maybe 20 years. I don't know. But we got the giant crab. Jamal is in the house here with us tonight, as always. How's it going, Jamal? I'm pretty good. How are you? All right. All right. It's Thursday night, and I feel like we've kind of been through some uh, excitement this week, <laughs> so to speak. And of course, so, uh, hey, I heard there was a pretty decent show downtown last night. Yeah, we just happened to be in the in the center of uh, all the excitement in a way. We lucked <laughs> out with that. And then, of course, all the way from Texas, we got the salty one himself. We got Damien joining us once again. It's so maybe about a month worth of shows here now. It's been. Yeah, it's been about about six weeks or so. So uh, I, I'd reckon that I'm, I'm I'm part of the show fixture at this point, but. Uh, I'm a little annoyed that no one's juxtaposed my face anywhere in the group photo from yesterday. So if anyone on Twitter can put my face in the big gold bell picture from AEW last night, please and thank you. Someone <laughs> get on that and put the salty one himself in there with the group photo. And hey, hey it's, it's all good because even just yesterday, I for the first time got to meet our other buddy here, Mr. Silly Sellis himself, Marcellus, is joining us tonight. And we finally got to meet in person last night at the AEW Dynamite show. So that was very cool. How's it going, Silly Sellis? Yes, sir, Will, man. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure, man. It's always good to see faces, even though we feel like we've known each other forever just being on the show. But it's just always good to be in person. Like one of these days, we should just do like a live video show recording if we all could be, you know, at one spot. Um, but speaking of run-ins, man, it was a lot of run-ins <laughs> and, and different, you know, Areas this week on Mondays and Wednesday, and probably more tomorrow, but definitely a lot to get into. Definitely an exciting reading wrestling. Um, I'm just ready to talk about it. Absolutely. We got to take care of a quick little bit of housekeeping first. Otherwise, two chains will uh, cut my head off if we do not mention, of course, we got. Wow, Women of Wrestling coming up this Saturday again on Access. I'm sure two chains is going to have another written review for that on the biggoldbelt.com. So. You're going to want to check that out. Wow is really kicking it off there on Access as their season is continuing each and every Saturday before New Japan. So you want to check that out. And locally, on the local front, I got to mention, of course, Primetime Pro Wrestling with another sellout this past Saturday. Heck of a show. We were there for that. And they are 
trucking along. They got their November show all set up, and that is going to be going down for the DC folks. I'm going to give you the heads up right now. That is happening on November 16th. Tickets are moving fast with Joey Ryan and Effie coming through. I know they're down to under 100. I think there might be about something like 80. I was hurrying earlier today. So if you're looking to go to Submission Without Representation, it's the last primetime show of 2019 before we head into the new year they are on a tear it's hot they got a lot of publicity in the last week from the washington post so people know there's indie wrestling in dc now and Mm -hmm. after last night in the district wrestling's hot wrestling's hot so if you're looking to go to prime time i would get your tickets sooner rather than later but gentlemen last night Wednesday night, the war began, and we were in the right place at the right time as AEW Dynamite on TNT just happened to debut right here in the District of Columbia. And all of us, with the exception of Damien, since he's out there in the Lone Star State, all the rest of us were in the building. So we will be able to provide a live perspective of uh, what it was like to be there. For the first AEW television show. And then, of course, we also had NXT last night. So there was a, a lot going on last night. I'm not even quite sure where to start. But uh, maybe maybe start with just... Uh, let's go to Jamal with just general feelings of last night. Since since we were there and, and got to take this all in firsthand. So I actually had a little birdie uh, come to my desk at work and say, hey... I heard there's some kind of wrestling shenanigans downtown, uh, you know, over at the Verizon Center. Do you want to go? And hell yeah. So I obviously already had tickets, but I got upgraded to the company suite uh-huh. uh, where, where, I watched the, um, where I watched the show from. So my perspective changed a little bit. I was a little bit closer to the stage, uh, you know, got to feel the heat. Of that pyro, uh, you know, a lot of the, when the guys exited the uh, the stage area to get, head to the back, they exited on my side. So um, some interesting stuff happened over there. Overall, the show solid B plus, and, and there's some other nuances that we'll get into in a minute. But I really uh, there's obviously room to grow. There, there obviously there are some mistakes made that need to be corrected. But I really want to hear it on TV to get the full. Uh, you know, impact of what I'm going to be hearing from week to week with Tony Schiavone and Excalibur and Jim Ross. Um, Production-wise, it went well, but Cody left his damn dog at home. But, you know, overall, a solid B+. Okay, okay. Strong marks there. And that's kind of, that kind of really nails a lot of what I'm feeling here. Now, Marcellus, obviously you were up in there too. What, what, what were yep. you thinking? What's your, what's your, what's your, what's your gut reaction coming out of this? Since we're, we're all of like 24 hours removed from it as we're recording this. So just to give a little background story and uh, I posted this on my personal Facebook. Um, it was a little emotional for me in a way. Um, just a small story. I had a friend named Ben Roscoe, and I'm bringing his name up, that unfortunately um, was a part of a murder-suicide event that he was a part of. Um, unfortunately, say it was his fault, um, similar to, you know, the one we cannot mention um, situation. And the reason why I was emotional, because at first, he was probably the biggest AEW fan I knew as one of the close friends I had. Um, from All Out to, you know, All Out 2, to every pay-per-view, we always watched each other, like, literally... Two weeks before we got the tickets, we started July pay-per-view, 
And that was when my wife kind of got intrigued with AEW when he was over my house and watched it. So we got the tickets, and then unfortunately he uh, passed away later. So I still got the tickets from StubHub because I had the information from it. So my wife, my wife decided to go with me. So it was a little bit emotional doing that in his honor. Um, but then even furthermore, my wife got to go to her first wrestling event ever. Like she's never been to a WWE event, never been to a house show. So this was like a history making for me in a way in honor of him. And for that, it felt really great just to be a part of it. Um, like Jamal said, it was not perfect. But the fact that they set a good foundation of what the show should be about, and it felt like nothing was rushed. It felt like everything was planned. Now we have to see if AEW can be consistent over time. Like you, Jamal, I want to see how it is from a TV's perspective instead of a live perspective. Um, but it was kind of funny when, I, when we was in there. Like Everybody around us was like, oh, let's go. I'm so excited. This is AEW. Like We're watching a pay-per-view. But I had to think to myself, this is still a TV taping that's on live TV. So you won't have every match be a five-star match. But how would it be booked throughout the night? And I still think it was booked well enough. I thought the show flowed well. Once again, not perfect. But I think it was a great start of what the company could do. And this Wednesday night, you know, activities or this Wednesday night war that's maybe taking place. This is going to be interesting to see through time how things get booked. There you go. There you go. Before I get in here, let, let's get the other perspective of from the TV version of things, yeah. Damien, <laughs> give, 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 give us a different take on this since you got to see it with the commentary and all the production stuff yeah. and all that. So get in here. Okay. So the funny thing about it is that right when it was starting, I was at the gym and I actually got off an apparatus to turn on TNT and people were looking at me as if I had 10 heads to watch wrestling at the gym. <laughs> but for me, it was worth it. So the opener Having Cody in the first match, but even before that, having JR and Tony Schiavone kind of reminisce about WCW throughout the night. For me, who was around for the Monday Night Wars, I liked it. I kind of thought if you were aware of WCW, they made a lot of small references throughout the broadcast, uh, especially when the crowd started wooing at first on commentary they you know the, the the overall the overall theme was whenever something WCW specific happened they made a mention to it with a bit of a wink in their eye oh it's nice to hear woos here on TNT because of Ric Flair ah. uh, what was the last time we called what was the last time we called the match about 20 years ago uh, TNT yeah uh i think it was very fire or something like that referencing nitro so watching it at the gym for one the first match now, I've been familiar with Sammy Guevara down here in Texas for a little more, more so than a year and a half. Uh, I thought it was an interesting choice. I really thought the, the choice of Sammy Guevara leading off against Cody Rhodes was interesting. But he's detestable, so I thought that would be a great way to get Cody some face pops or whatever the case may be. Uh, the picture in picture. I liked it, but it did take away from a lot of of little things in the broadcast Jericho with the chair at certain point, you know, during the, during his, his match or, or in general took away from it. The, the hot dog being thrown in the ring. That was pretty funny. Uh, watching it on television, the Riho match versus Nyla Rose from what I heard got the loudest pop of the night on TV from action perspective. I don't know how mm. it was for you all back there. You know, when we were there, but Watching it on TV and hearing the crowd pop for the match and Riho in general for Riho winning, uh, 
yeah. was very loud. And I was it pleasantly was loud. surprised. It was loud there. Pleasantly surprised that the women's match is the one that got the biggest scream. Uh, well, until Jack Hager showed up. But <laughs> that that in and of itself, watching it from, from television, I think you guys are right. There's got to be a little bit more tweaks. Uh, those those jump cuts are still there in the beginning, in the opening, when they go to the crowd, then they go to the announcers, then back to the crowd. That's annoying from a, just from a visual standpoint. Personally, I would not... I don't know. I don't think the the picture in picture. I think it should be as limited as possible. And even if you have to cut away for maybe like thirty seconds, do so. But it's distracting to see a commercial on one side, <laughs> and then on the other side you have to zoom in really clear, you know, clear to see the the actual wrestling. But overall, oh, so wait, so they, so they did the picture in picture as a commercial break, not picture yes. in picture as a quick replay for no um, for okay. the commercials. They did, they did a NASCAR commercial break where you can still see, like, if it's like a yellow flag, yes. um, they'll, the, the, the race isn't happening, but it's they're still driving, so they'll cut yes. to a commercial break for 45 seconds. Okay. Right. So they're doing little things, little nuanced wrestling things to keep the crowd's attention during a commercial break, but you can see that now. I don't know if I want to do that going forward, only because I, I, maybe it's a little too pull the curtain behind the curtain for us, but... It takes a little away from it to do the picture-in-picture. Picture. I don't want to see another TNT ad about either NASCAR or whatever bootleg comedy or, or show they got going on when it's taking away from uh, Pac and, and, and Adam Page. But overall, it was a B event. That's what Damien, uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Solid no, I was going to ask you how the audio sound, too, because I know we had some microphone issues live, too. Was that clear on? The TV broadcast too that you saw, like when Jericho was on the live mic or other people was on the live no, mic, was it breaking up? It was breaking up a little bit. Uh, okay, okay. But not so much where you couldn't hear him. I think it was more for me. It was more patchy, but you could make out what he was saying. Okay, mm. okay. So well, let me let me get in here with my little. I haven't got to say anything yet. About go ahead, Phil. Go ahead. <laughs> let me let me get my gut reaction before we start breaking down like the nitty gritty and stuff of like you know, specific matches and stuff. So I went into this really not knowing what what my expectations were, what I was e even really expecting from the event or, or real, really anything. I, I went down there last night with the idea that it's like, OK, I'm kind of just going to this because it happens to be happening here and it's the first show. I may not even like it. I may have a miserable time. I, I really don't know. And. First thing I want to say is I was very pleasantly surprised that the crowd there, at least where I was sitting, we were right over the uh, hard cameras, me and two James, and um, the section we were in was very chill. It was probably half full, and everyone that was over there was, was you know, there was no drama. There wasn't, like, tons of, like, you know, super AEW hardcore, like, you know, fans, like, going, like, you know, WWE sucks or nothing. I didn't think I really heard WWE, WWE mention that all night. In the section we were in, people were just kind of there. Be fair, add some context to that because the section that you were in isn't like a full size section because uh, you're up on the club level. So yeah. instead of like the normal thirty rows, it may be only fifteen. Yeah, so it's not it, like the it was definitely small section. Right. Yeah, that was a nice little yeah, and that was the first time I've been in the club section, and that was a nice little perk getting that a uh, smaller area where it was definitely not as crowded, and even outside, like in the concourse and all that, it was like, oh, this is oh yes, yeah. nice. The uh, wait, it's, it's, it's very nice. Yeah, yeah. I had the pork nice, nachos; they're fantastic. 
Yeah, that was that was a, that was a good little surprise there, ending up at the at the two hundred level as opposed to the one hundreds or four hundreds. But um, yeah. So the the environment was actually way better than I expected. I was ready for like, okay, there's gonna be all this ridiculous fans here causing all kinds of trouble and call talking all kinds of trash. There was none of that. So that would that was really cool. Um, I walked out of this show when I was, I was heading to the metro once it was done. I looked at it like this. Everyone's all you guys are saying, like, you know, it was a B a B show. And that sounds about right. It was good. It was a good show. Did it change the world? No, it did not change the world. It wasn't the best, you know, wrestling show I've ever seen. It wasn't even, I'd say, drastically different than your average wrestling show that you see these days. I uh, think it did more right than it did wrong, but there's definitely some issues there that they can improve on. But for a first show, it definitely had more hits than misses. And I think probably the biggest thing it got right now that I've seen the NXT show that ran against it, the first episode of AEW Dynamite came across as an event. It looked like an event. It looked like a big deal. And I think that might be, in the end, the biggest thing they had going for them last night is that it came across as like, hey, this is something special. This is something different. This is something you need to at least take a second and take a look at. It's not just another wrestling show. I, okay, so I kind of disagree with that. You know, this wasn't, it okay. didn't change the world. Um, I would say that it did. I think the impact that it made, uh, with all respect to Hootie and, and the boys, but the impact <laughs> that it made, it was uh, it was history making. It was you know maybe the, John Moxley said it himself. It's a paradigm shift when you have uh, you know the Spike Show that is uh, NXT as good as NXT is and even was last night. Um, the production of NXT doesn't really feel like a Raw and SmackDown. It doesn't feel main roster. It doesn't feel premium. But luckily, the wrestling has always been the saving grace for NXT. Mm -hmm. With the AEW show, it feels like it could <clears throat> compete with at least the, the most recent version of SmackDown. Uh, you know, it may not be the A show. It may not be the show uh, of, of note for wrestling in the U.S., but it's definitely coming and wedged itself in a nice little niche uh, and they're doing things that really are fairly different in some regard. Um, you know, that, uh, and we'll go over, you know, the actual bits points later on, but Moxley put in Kenny Omega through a glass table instead of a wooden one. Uh, when was the last time you saw that? Um, the whole dynamic of the Rio Nine Rose match. We haven't really seen that since, what, Rey Mysterio won the world championship? Maybe Chris Benoit won the world championship? Daniel Bryan. I'll give you Daniel Bryan. But, like, these things are being done, and they are different. And even through the botches, and there were a ton of botches, yep. the, the spirit of the match, the storytelling, kind of saved it. You know, kind of saved that aspect of the show. So in that, in that regard, I do think, and it wasn't like some marked crowd either. This wasn't in New, in New York. It wasn't in L.A. It wasn't in Montreal. It wasn't in somebody's hometown. Except because they didn't even announce that Ronald Rose was from D.C. Unless I missed that live. No, they purposely um, left that out. We picked right. out. Yeah, we picked they definitely didn't get a hometown pop. But they announced that uh, Rio was from uh, Japan. So, yeah. so you know, so they, so it wasn't any of that, and it wasn't it's full of WWE marks either. So, 
it was definitely in a, at a different audience that is aware of the wrestling landscape, but still is in tune to this product. So I think for a lot of uh, reasons, it's actually pretty damn good for their first show to come in and make that much of a statement. This was a statement show, and they made it. And obviously, going forward, we'll need to see if they can continue on that path. And just to add to that, um, let's just think about how TV series are on TV, because that's what we're looking at. We're looking at entertainment just in the sports variety. Every show that's a series or a family show that you watch, everyone has a pilot episode. And that's what mm -hmm. this was. And with your pilot episode, you introduce your characters, you introduce potential storylines, and you introduce the purpose of what we're here for. And I think it did all of that in one two-hour show. And the one thing I did say is it didn't drag out. I think when you watched it, rather if you were there live or on TV and you watched that two-hour show, I was looking at my time. I was like, oh, wow, it was, we, we almost got time for the main event. And then by the time the main event, oh, wow, this is only going to be like 10 minutes. I think that pacing helped. So that way it's not overly done for somebody that's not only a wrestling fan, but I'm thinking somebody who was like my wife who was there who really doesn't know anything about wrestling, where she was intrigued enough to know, okay, I know this character. I know this character. I know this person's on the top of the chain. I know this person's on the middle of the chain. And even though she recognized some former characters from WWE, they're not looked at as the same as they were in WWE. Now, you had some you know, moments when Hager was in there, and of course we had the We The People chant, but that, that knew where he came from. However, you looked at these characters as new. So when you looked at Jericho, you wasn't looking at him the same way you did in WCW or WWE. They really brought new light to every single person that was in there. And I think they did a good job with that. Now, to be fair, to use that analogy correctly, I think Double or Nothing was the pilot, and this was the series premiere. Uh, I mean, I, because... I, can, I, can see, I, can see, I can see how you would say that. I, I can see that. Yeah, one but, thing but the, that... I... Yeah. One one thing I was thinking about today as I was watching it back and seeing the uh the, the TV version of some of it, the one thing I think they kind of missed the ball on is with now that they're on TNT and the audience for them has expanded beyond what it's ever been before. And knowing last night with the buzz that there was going into this show that there was going to be a lot of first time viewers last night. One thing I think they needed to do a better job of was introducing just who all these people are. It felt to me like there was still a lot of just assuming, yeah, you, you already know who we are. You know who we are. We're, we're famous. We're, we're, you know, we already know who we are. And last night, there had to be a large segment of people who were seeing a lot of these guys for the first time. I know at least a few people that were texting me last night while I was in the building. They were just like, I heard there's like a wrestling war and they're on, they're like, right, I'm seeing what this, this new show is. And it was very clear that like they knew a couple people, but they didn't know like, you know, who everybody, they had no idea who like MJF was. They had no idea even someone who like Pac was or anything like that. It's like, you know, people who are wrestling fans and coming back, but they haven't been watching say in the last like five to 10 years. Or if they have been, they haven't been watching that closely. So it's like the newer names, they're just like they weren't familiar with them. And that's something where I think there might have needed to be a bit more effort spent on being, you're not on YouTube anymore. This isn't just another episode of Being Elite. This isn't a pay-per-view. This is, you literally have the chance. Now, someone might just flip this on because they've seen so many darn ads over the last month for it. And that they, I'm not sure... That's where I think we got to see what happens in the next couple weeks, how much of this audience they got last night to sample the product, how many of them stick around, and how much of this was like curiosity on this first show on TNT.
Yeah, I, mean, I think that is a thing, and it's kind of one of my biggest gripes about the, the show, um, not knowing how it translated through TV, but that opening package between Cody and Sammy Guevara, as what they cut down the road to AEW uh, piece, uh, piece from uh, last Wednesday, they cut it down to about you know, 45 seconds, a minute. Yeah, it was, and it was really good, short. It was a good opener uh, to preface the match. Um, I would have liked to have seen that throughout the show. Um, and, and one thing watching that was weird was I couldn't really tell where the commercial breaks were because it just mm-hmm. seemed that they, the matches were paced well and they just wrestled the match. It wasn't like, you know, okay, well, this is your big table spot or this is your big wrestle spot. We're obviously in a commercial break and we're going to reset and come back for, uh, in two minutes. Uh, so in that regard, it was really paced. And I think that had a lot to do with the timing of the show and how quick it seemed to have gone. Uh, with that said, uh, Rio versus Nala Rose, obviously you have the obvious David versus Goliath story in the ring, but realistically, people may not have known that Rio actually beat Nala Rose uh, previously. Uh, you know, that the, these are things that, you know, the commentary would help us out on, but in the, in the audience, there were a lot of little things like that that they could have reinforced that gave these uh, matches some substance. Instead of just, this is a match, and it could be cool. Good luck. Um, and then, of course, there were some other glaring uh, logic and pl- uh, plot holes that, honestly, the main event didn't make any sense. <laughs> I, like, I, we, we can get to that later, but good God. Yeah. What are you when, doing? When, when, when uh, John Moxley can come in and just attack Kenny Omega right in front of the ref, drag him out, put him through a table in the back, and just, the match just continues. That was was a bit like, uh, what? (laughs) Right, Right. no DQ, no anything, you know. Right, which was confusing, and I don't know how well this translated to uh, the TV audience, but I know that the crowd was generally stunned, and we thought, because we were told that we were going to get an interview with John Moxley, or he was going to make an appearance, uh, you know, and the the rationale behind that is like, okay, well, he's going to make an appearance, it's going to be some kind of promo that he's going to cut, uh, maybe backstage, maybe in the ring. Um, okay, cool. But, but the main event started at 940. When are they going to do the Moxley promo? Huh. And then, of course, but it, it, hell, even to start off the show, after the, um, the Cody beatdown, where was MJF? Which was odd, because his match was next. So you're telling me right. that he couldn't have right. run out? And then, you know, cl- they cleared the ring, gone to commercial, and MJF is still in the ring? For Brandon Cutler's uh, entrance, I mean, they could have had him p- cut a promo on the town uh, through the commercial break and come back to him just lambasting the, the crowd, and then it, it's interrupted by Brandon Cutler's music that gives Cutler a little bit more babyface, uh, you know, pop. And of course, MJF is one of the best heels in the business right now. A lot of little things like that where you go, "Hot on your vision board." Is this how you saw it going? And why were you okay with this? Yeah, yeah. The the MJF and Cutler match was for me that was the lowest part of the show. Where like well, it seemed I was that to go kind of off. It, it went <laughs> off rails for a bit, and it was like okay, there was definitely there was that botched move off the top, and it was just like luckily they kept that match short, but that was definitely the one part of the show where it was like okay, you're 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 kind of falling apart here, you're losing the crowd, and luckily they got it back together between that and even after that the the Pac and uh, Adam Page match follow that and those two never felt like they really got totally into like you know high gear it, it was good 
but it wasn't great. I think there was a lot more, at least in my mind, I was expecting a bit more from that match. It wasn't until the Nyla Rose and Rio match that I felt they really hooked the crowd back in and got them back to that point that Cody and Sammy had them at the beginning of the show. Yeah, for me, everyone I've talked to pretty much, I haven't heard anyone disputing this. Nyla Rose and Rio stole the night is everything I've heard from anybody. Does anyone disagree on that point? No, I don't disagree. Um, but one thing I want to, you know, transition, if we think about how a two-hour show is framed, remember on the TV taping, that's how it normally goes, where you have, like, your big opening match probably lasts about 20, 30 minutes, and then you got two, you know, mediocre or squash matches, your 9 o'clock time frame or your first hour time frame. That's when you have your sub-main event and, of course, your main event at the end. And I think it fit perfectly within that. But I do have a comment about that match that I want to bring up, but I want to make sure that everybody agrees first that that, that, that was the match of the night, and I agree with it. But I do have a comment as a devil, devil's advocate moment I want to bring up. Yeah, I agree, I agree with you. I, uh, watching it at home, just that for me was the match of the night. And you're right, Will. That really did bring the crowd kind of into it, whereas there was such a lull from the beginning after the, the Cody match. It was like, okay, small small lull. Now we're back, so I think the I think that was the match of the night. Yeah, I, that's that was the consensus. I haven't heard anyone say anything different as far as that goes. Now the we mentioned it earlier. The very first thing about that match that jumped out at us in the building is when they did those intros. They made a very specific point of not mentioning Washington D.C. in regards to Nyla Rose and just calling her the Native Beast. But they never mentioned anything mm. about hometown or fighting out of the district or anything like that. So right away, we were like, oh, they're, they're making they want her to be the heel. They are very not don't they want that hometown story going on here They're They've made a decision on a direction here, which I was glad because we've been talking about that the past couple of weeks, how that match seemed like it might kind of have some muddy waters with the various different stories that were going on. So I think that was a very smart move. And then halfway through that match, when that crowd started to rally behind Rio, pretty much it seemed like when, when it got to the point that that Nyla was choking her out. And they got those tight close-ups on Rio's face of her, like, almost passing out. It was, I mean, that was some classic pro wrestling there where she had those, like, you know, those sympathetic face looks on her face. And people just bought in on it. And it was like, no, we're we're behind this girl. She She's not going down. And then it, that match went into high gear at that point. That was – there was some great – great just working the crowd in that match with drawing them in with the story they told, I thought. But that's kind of the problem that I have, and I think it reinforces my point, that that the, these things could have been shown beforehand to get people, uh, you know, you're introducing everyone. Not everybody knows or cares about the previous five events that they have. Nobody, they only know that the Wednesday Night Wars are starting. There was no talk about the Wednesday Night Wars uh, or, or the potential to go against anything WWE, you know, in May. Uh, Memorial Day weekend. Uh, we were just happy that AEW was a thing, and and hoped that they did more. That they didn't follow the ECW schedule of just doing a pay per view every month uh, with a bad TV deal in Philly. Now we're here, and we, they have to reset the table. And I'm really surprised they didn't do that. Um, I guess the question is at home, Damien. Do you, did they do a pre show at all, or no. any type of like setup before, like maybe a seven thirty a uh, thing? Nope. 
they were just showing, I think it was, oh, it was a, they led in with the Suicide Squad where I was. So that, I guess that's a great way to segue into professional wrestling. So <laughs> after they, the, they, yeah, after they the had a preview over, show the night before. The night on TNT at eight o'clock. So they, did, they did that they the night before. That was it. Yeah, you think that you, that you want to rerun that to get people, you know, the, the, the latecomers that are just going, what is AEW and why is this on my channel guide? Yeah, you know, I've never heard of this before. Uh, and then, you know, so that preview would have gone in. It's just they're not leading with anything new. They could have bumped Super Suicide Squad up a half an hour and then just replayed the Road to AEW YouTube show. Um, I mean, it's TNT. They can, they, it's their program and they can do whatever they want with it. So it's just really surprising that they dropped the ball on introducing characters to the live audience. Uh, and we, we can tell where the audience lulled, because I kind of felt the same way, during the MJF-Brandon Cutler match. Well, sure, MJF is a heel, but we have no reason to care about Brandon Cutler at all. Zero, yeah. So, and since, we, since he's not uh, you know, a mid-car guy, uh, he's you know, a lower mid-car guy, he's you know, borderline catering uh, at this point, <laughs> that package would have really helped him out. Um, about that match, though, uh, Damien, did they say anything about him tweaking his knee on that, um, that, that botched um, uh, run to the top rope? To be honest, I don't, I don't think I heard that. Uh, I think they just kind of gave a quick reference. From what I remember, they gave a quick reference of, oh, the knee might have buckled there, but that was about it. Nothing to, okay. you know, they covered that base, but they didn't make it seem like it was this big deal. Okay. So, I mean, so th- these are things that is kind of like, you know, it's the first show, and mm-hmm. whether they kind of cut him some slack, but realistically, yes, starting the show with a 40-minute long promo is not the best idea. Everyone is sick of that, and I'm glad they started with a match. Yes. But um, why couldn't they have that same introduction to set up the- these big five fields, especially for a championship match? It was a women's championship match, and people didn't really seem to know. Um, a question, and I'll, and I'll leave this to you all. Why in the blue hell was the championship match not no disqualification? I mean, there has to be a winner. Why? And that, if they made it no DQ, the uh, senton into the pile of chairs for no reason would have, made, would have been a lot less stupid. <laughs> mm. I didn't think yeah, about the, that because it said the, no time limit, but not even think about the no DQ. Right. Yeah, the 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 ch- Nyla pulling out the chairs in in if you're looking at it in, in, as a as a kayfabe thing, yeah, that made no sense. It made no sense. How, why are you going to get yourself to qual- disqualified in a match where you're trying to win a belt and neither one of you is champ? Yeah, that doesn't that didn't that didn't add up. That, that's that's right up there with the logic hole of of Moxley attacking Omega right in front of the referee and they're not being a DQ. There's some but, some Swiss cheese booking there that uh, they need to fill in on these future shows. But this is what I want to ask, too. Just even though it was a match of the night, and I think we may have discussed this on the show, but me and my wife had a really good discussion about it, too. Now, Nyla Rose, who've had great showings with the pay-per-view, and like you said, you know, Jamal, she's been fighting real. This is not the first time doing this. But and we know that she's transgender, and, and, and we respect everything that AEW supports on that. I definitely do. But is it really unfair that she's in this type of division? And what if she would have been the first champion? Would that have been unfair to have a transgender 
member be your first champion of AEW? No, she's a woman. She's a woman. <laughs> well, we bought this up. I bought this up last week about them painting themselves into the corner with what do you do if Nyla wins? There's going to be, you know, that, that group of people that are going to complain about it. Uh, and then if she doesn't win, oh, well, they just didn't want to take the chance on a, tra- a transgendered person. So am I surprised they went that way? Not at all. But I think, honestly, from a storyline perspective, I think Riho winning it is better than Nyla only for the simple fact that Nyla can get it whenever she wants because mm-hmm. she's the monster. Exactly. Riho, Riho getting it is, we all love the plucky underdog story. Well, most of us do. Like the plucky underdog story. So that was a good story. Now, maybe at the next at the next thing, it's going to be a transitional thing where they want Britt Baker to have the title. That's probably where I'm more thinking. But it's more believable to think, oh, wow, Nyla lost on a fluke, and now she can just kind of run roughshod over the women's division because she's salty, and she can get the title whenever she wants. Yeah, I totally agree. The, the story of Nyla Rose as like the beast of the women's division that story can be told at any time. That wasn't dependent on like, you know, if anything, that's a story that once you tell it, you've told it. So holding that card back, I don't think that's a bad move at all. I think doing the first show with the idea that we're going to do the plucky underdog story, we're going to give you the happy ending. And that was the thing. That crowd in D.C., they were completely behind Rio by halfway through that match. So they bought it hook, line, and sinker. There was no one like booing or nothing. That crowd nope. totally went with her about halfway through that match. At first, it was at the beginning of the match when I was reading the crowd. It's, I felt like they were mostly for Rio, but it was a pretty even split, a slight edge to Rio. That split was gone by halfway through, and people were all about it by the end of the night. So to me, that means it was the right call. I think they totally made the right call. And like I said, they can do that monster story with Nyla at any point down the road, no matter who's champion. So saving that, you you can't, you can't play all your cards the first night. So I'm down with saving that for, you know, heck next year, who knows when they're in this for the long haul. So you gotta, gotta, gotta save some stuff for down the road. Yeah. I mean, realistically, there is an entire woman's division. Uh, as we've seen in dark matches, most of the women were out there at some point in time through, through the night. Mm-hmm. Um, so th- we definitely have room. And also, I think Rio versus a smaller opponent may make for a good, a better opportunity. It obviously puts her over as like this champion that, like, my God, she did the impossible. And for her to lose to, uh, and, well, I mean, she should have a title run, honestly. But for her to lose to, to a B Priestley or a Britt Baker or um, Ali or any or anyone, you know, you, is a better matchup. Um, and then, of course, that just gives Nyla Rose the opportunity to just run rough shot anyway. So, and then Austin Kong is still in the picture. Um, and then other uh, you know Japanese wrestlers that you know Kenny may want to be, uh, bring over uh, still are in play. Uh, you know, uh, Hikaru Shida and 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 then like uh, Yumi Sakazaka. Um, we haven't seen her in a minute, so. There's still a lot up, a lot of balls up in the air. With that said, uh, I know I was fine with either one winning, mm-hmm. but I do think that the, the better play is giving Riho the belt, and she doesn't honor. She really doesn't even have to be there because now that she's the champ, she can go back to Japan for another month uh, because she is a stardom uh, lights be champion. 
uh, and then come back to Baltimore in, in, on November 8th and have the rest of this month, this next four weeks, building up to her title defense, presumably at the pay-per-view. So this is the perfect time for Allie and Britt Baker and everyone else, and even uh, Nyla Rose, to chase the champion by chasing themselves. So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, hopefully we'll see Rio in Baltimore. She really doesn't need to do anything until then. Um, and then the rest of the women's division has like a month to get it together. It, it absolutely makes sense. Yeah, you got to spend the rest of these these weeks coming up now. It's time to, like, you know, flesh out these other characters that we saw. And there's all plenty of people that we didn't see on the show that we know are, that are, we know are around. And one thing I thought was interesting that we haven't touched on yet, we might as well get this part out of the way now. There was only one surprise on the show. And it wasn't exactly a surprise that I was expecting. I don't know if this was on anybody's radar, but in the main event... We had the uh, appearance and a surprise of uh, seeing the former Jack Swagger, Jack Hager, show up as a part of, I guess, Chris Jericho's. I don't know if it's a if it's a stable, if it's a band, or what he's going to call it. Looks very stately to me. Yeah, yeah he, he seems to have a unit going on there of some sort. But I hope LAX. it's not a stable. <laughs> well, it's being billed as as of right now. It's being billed as the counter elite. Aha. Uh-huh. Oh, this counts yeah. more versus NWO. Oh, man, I don't want that. Okay, well let, let, let's go around the table here because here here's the, I, I'm very curious about this because I know how I felt about it watching. So thoughts on the surprise of the first episode of AEW Dynamite being Jake Hager? I loved it. I loved it. Um, when Jack Swagger, well J- Jack Hager was uh as Jack Swagger on WWE, I'd always thought he was a great character, but was underutilized. Even when he had his amateur wrestling gimmick, when he first started on ECW, I was intrigued by it. Moved him to winning money in the bank. Um, still intrigued by it. I was really intrigued by it when he was, you know, with we, the, we, the people movement with him and Cesaro, but then they dropped the ball with it. And I think they just did not capitalize on how good he's been. Now with this MMA or, or UFC background that he's added to it, I think it makes him a more dangerous character that he could build on AEW. And he has a great size, and he looked great. I mean, he looked like he was in shape, even though I know he even had some baby fat at some time or that he probably turned into muscle now. He just looked great. Like, he looks like he could be just that six seven six eight classic Vince type within WWE that he likes to size, um, like a Matt Morgan. That could probably be a great comparison when Matt Morgan was on um, was on uh, TNA at first before he went down. But uh, it could be somebody of that nature that could be a real good big man for the company. So Tony Khan said in uh, post-show interviews that uh, Hager was signed before All Out. Uh, now the question is, and, I, and I'll get to your question directly in a second. question for me is, was bringing uh, Hager out now the right move versus bringing out John Moxley? Now we know that Moxley was not uh, was signed to the company, and he made the big splash at um, at Double or Nothing. I think it was no, yeah, yeah, Double or Nothing. Um, do you think that in hindsight, uh, the injury to Moxley aside, and the fact that they couldn't really get going with the program with Kenny Omega immediately? Do you think that they could have just waited, brought Jack Hager out, Jake Hager out, had that thing as like an okay, 
cool. With Sean Spears, who wasn't on the show at all, okay, cool. We're still building and then save Moxley for the show tonight to start his program with Kenny Omega. He still could have gone and done his Japan thing. I know the hindsight is a bitch, but I think since they know that that's something that they were working on and they just kept it everything close to the chest, I think the bigger surprise would have been Moxley appearing behind Kenny Omega for the first time tonight um, and then having him do his uh, Japan thing or having him do his Mexico thing or whatever he wanted to do, still getting injured and then coming in later and then making his big reveal tonight for TV, um, especially considering that they picked Wednesday. Uh, you know, AEW did. So they knew what they were getting into on a Wednesday night at 8 o'clock. They knew what it was. And saving Moxley for that night, I think, could have, like, it would have blown the roof off the place. Even though Swagger got a, a massive pop, like, bigger than he probably should have. Realistically, I'm not sure if that's, like, the play in hindsight. To answer your question directly now, I don't mind it. Um, I wasn't really a fan of Jack Swagger in WWE. Um, just like he ha- did have a World Heavyweight Championship run, but so did Jinder Mahal. And I think that sets a dangerous precedent for AEW where I don't want mid-card talent in w- the ex- at WWE mid-carders to come through without any like rationale. I don't mm-hmm. want EC3 there. I don't yeah. want uh, Jinder Mahal there. Uh, I don't want because they already have MJF, so we don't need EC3. I don't want they already have Jack Swagger, so I don't want MJ. Uh, I don't want Jinder Mahal there. Right. Um, they have John Moxley, so I really don't want. Uh, I don't want Bray Wyatt there before the Fiend and him blowing up. Uh, or I don't. Well, if they have John Moxley, I don't want Luke Harper or Eric Rowan. Um, so I, I hope that whoever they bring in next, they will continue to bring in people. It's done with the care and vision in mind for them to continue storylines that make sense instead of just, hey, there's a name. Cool. Well, because if they do that, then they're playing the TNA game of a few years back of insert WWE reject or expired contract here just to draw up to draw up a buzz. Well, to answer your question, when I saw him, I just said, oh, okay, cool. Like I said, holy crap. And then I saw the beatdown. But for me watching as a fan, knowing all these talents, it didn't make sense. I'm thinking, why would <laughs> why <laughs> would LAX or Proud and Powerful be even remotely teaming up with, with Jake Hager because of the We the People? I know it's a different gimmick and this down a third, but and then Jericho. What? That's that's what it had me pretty much thinking. It was a big old dusty dusty road schmaz finish, and just seeing Jake show up, he looked intense. He looked ready. To, he looked fresh. He looked refreshed yeah. and ready to go. Do I think? And to answer Jamal's question, for for my opinion, I think for Moxley, you had to use that at a pay per view. You couldn't just use Moxley, especially coming off of a WWE. He's free, you know, kind of like mystery tour, and then wait, what, three months, two months, three months, and then say, okay, we're going to drop him on the first episode of, of, of AEW on television. So for me personally, I think it had to go that way. I honestly don't know if there's anyone else available that they could have used to fill the, the, the Jake spot, but if what Tony Khan is saying is true, then 
that might have been the plan the whole time. Just get yeah. let him get his MMA record up a little bit to make him more believable. I saw people tweeting, this is their version of Brock Lesnar. I laughed uncontrollably when I heard that. But <laughs> does that mean I don't take Jake seriously? I do. So Jamal's point, do I think he should have been pushed already to the main event scene when you literally left the chairman, air quotes, off the first card? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that's another thing, too. I mean, they're, they're, so I, I do think that for the six matches that they had, that he correct me for all of the number of matches, but I believe it was six, um, this felt like, it felt like a show where going forward, this is the quality that we can expect. And I think for that reason, this is, um, uh, that, that's a good thing. They gave the matches time. I think, you know, I, I loved hearing uh, Justin Roberts, first of all, uh, we don't deserve Justin Roberts. Uh, he's so good uh, at, at the, you know, the ringside uh, gimmick. But um, more importantly than that, I loved hearing that there's 10 minutes left in the match. It adds a sense of urgency. Yes, that's a good wrinkle. I like that. Yeah, I really like that. Uh, we couldn't, I couldn't really tell in the crowd, but I'm sure on TV they said that what their records were. Really love that, too. I think the obviously the, the the plot holes and the botches were you know interesting and you know but I also like the fact that even though it was a botch, um, Nyla Rose picking up Michael Nakazawa, tapping them on the head and then delivering a power bomb, obviously a botch, but they just went with it, and it was it wasn't like oh no I definitely messed it up, get back in position, let's redo the move, okay the, may I messed it up again. Um, so uh, it was a lot of improvisation after a botch, and I thought that that was like way to save it. With that said, it's still kind of interesting that they a did not go with a different set from their pay per views. Why do we have this Vegas theme set with this neon chandelier in <laughs> Boston, Pittsburgh, Boise, Idaho? Um, it will be interesting based on what their show is how the crowd reacts in different places. I'm really interested in the Charleston, West Virginia show because I think DC is accessible. It's the first show. Uh, people can get here from all over the world. They know that this is the, and the building can accommodate them. Who will go to Charleston, West Virginia three or four weeks in? But then with that said, the Chicago show day after day before Thanksgiving, that's going to be nuts as, as well. So a lot of upside to AEW. But, but definitely some dangerous uh, you know, uh, trends that, if followed, history will surely repeat itself. Yeah, I didn't get to jump in on the uh, the Jack Swagger thing because that was, if anything, you guys touched on it with the the very TNA esque deal of taking ex WWE guys that flamed out there and putting them in a higher position immediately. That. We know how that turned out for TNA. That didn't work out well. Um, my reaction, when he came out last night, I was sitting there and literally the first word out of my mouth was, why? <laughs> I, was like, I was like, seriously? Jack Swagger? You're like plugging Jack Swagger into your main event scene? And I, if anything, I was shocked how good of a reaction he got. Yes. People were into him. But it's just like, it's Jack Swagger. Like, I could see... If they did him earlier in the show and they were putting him like in the in the mid card scene, okay, that's one thing. But I mean they literally closed the show 
with him as like their version of Lex Luger on the first episode of Nitro. And obviously Moxley would have worked a ton better for that. And to go back to Jamal's point, I think Moxley was just, it was a victim of the, the timing of Moxley's contract ending in the spring. They probably figured we can't hold him off for four or five months. So they did it in May. Uh, ideally, God, it should have been Moxley. That would have been a Lex Luger on the first episode of Nitro moment. Swagger ain't that. <laughs> Not even yeah. close. That's the part that got me. But my God, he got a reaction. But as I was talking to people today, a lot of people that were there were just like, yeah, why the heck were people freaking out over Jack uh, Swagger so darn much? <laughs> I think that might be just part of that is the first show. People were really into it. On the other hand, I'm like, what are you guys going to do next week? You're going to bring out Ryback? <laughs> oh, God, someone brought that up. I think it was you, didn't it? Well, uh, yes, let's I see did. if they have the it, same energy if they bring exactly. up Ryback. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, if you're going to be getting that, like I said, if people are talking about him being their version of Brock Lesnar. Stop it's it. Like, come on now. <laughs> he ain't that kind of level of star. But Stop if that's it. how you're going to act, then okay, bring out Ryback next week. Apparently, he'll be a world beater. Bring out Alberto Del Rio. I mean, the whole, all, the, all your recent WWE mid carters, is that going to be the name of the game here when we've been told from the beginning that no, it's not like that? And I think even what didn't Cody at one point say that they didn't want. You know WWE retreads. That's that, exactly that, what said. Yeah, that. I mean, okay, we got Sean Spears, we got Jack Swagger now. Who's next? How, okay. how, many, how many of these guys are we gonna have? And I just want to add this. And unfortunately, I have right. to. I have to get ready to leave soon. But let me add this. I think that with Cody, the Bucks, you know Kenny Omega. I think with this four, they they have seen the scripts of what's been successful and not been successful. We talk about ROH. TNA impact. And I think they, like you said, we're, once again, we're judging a lot off the first show, but I really think they are analyzing what they need to do to make sure they're maintained over a long period of time. Cause they're heavily invested in this. Um, maybe I'm just optimistic because like you said, Jamal, this is something that needs to be a paradigm shift. This is something that's going to be new. Um, but I'm really thinking like, even though we can see tweaks of things that could possibly go to TNA route, like you said, using the ride back, using the Jake, you know, Hager, to be in this type of situation and elevate former WWE stars. And I, I would even add Sandow and Kristen. Um, if they was in the same element, we would talk about them in the same way too. Um, but I really think they're going to be smart about this um, just based on the foundations of what they've seen in WCW, WWE, TNA, and just bring that to be something different. But once again, speaking all in optimism and hoping, you know, as, as time will only tell. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to disagree with that. I think, uh, Jack Swagger is a perfect example of like this fork of the road. Uh, he was champion back in 2010. Now, we're old enough to know wrestling well before the John Cena post-ruthless aggression era, which was a thing, um, into that time of the early 2000s, the whole 2000 period between, you know, 09 and, and such, where a lot of these mid-carters kind of got pushed. And you know, some of them won championships and, and stuff, only to be buried by John Cena. So we're in that time period of 2010 where Swagger's champion. John Morrison is you know, kicking ass and taking names. Um, you know, Ziggler is, is one of the bigger guys uh, in the company now. Alberto Del Rio is running wild over WWE. So for, I think for kids today, uh, 10 years ago, even if you're 20, if you're 20 right now, Mm-hmm. Ten years ago, Jack Swagger is your world heavyweight champion. 
He's the biggest guy in the company at the time when wrestling probably means the most to you. So I can understand how a bunch of college-age kids pop massively for Jack Swagger. With that said, Christian had a hell of a run in, in TNA after WWE. Yes. And he was sought as, thought of as a WWE guy that should have been, never really quite was, but then he made his name in TNA, came back to WWE, and, and you know, he's surefire Hall of Famer if he's not already. Um, I think Jack Swagger has that possibility, especially the way he looks now. He definitely doesn't, isn't that, like, goofy country boy from Oklahoma now. You know, he has an edge to him a little bit. Maybe he's able to bring out the character that he really wants to be instead of, like, the goofy, you know, pro-Trump guy with Zeb Coulter that we kind of remember him as, not even as champion. We remember we the people. Um, I think, hopefully, you know, with whatever this stable or faction or group or happy circumstance that it turns out to be, that he, he kind of evolves into a better character, you know, something of his actual vision than just... Hey, we're going to give, we're going to put you up there and you're going to team you with Cesaro and you're going to be the Un-Americans or whatever the hell that was. Um, and you're going to fight the Mexicals because racism. So I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic because if it worked for Christian in TNA, it could work for Swagger as it has worked so far for Sean Spears. However, one of the things that the story this uh, show tonight lacked was storytelling. And without storytelling, it's just going to be, why do we care about Jack Swagger, who's standing next to uh, Chris Jericho? And unfortunately, Swagger's return at that moment kind of took a lot of the spotlight off of LAX or uh, the uh, Santana and Ortiz, rather, who had some great spots in through the match. But that whole clusterfuck of a match mm-hmm. kind of took away from their introduction. And then Swagger runs in, and then Goldust runs in, and then everybody else and their mother ran. Hell, I ran in. And then, <laughs> so a lot of things, a lot of cards got just lost in the shuffle. And, can... and... Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry, no, uh, go ahead. So I'm thinking about the schmas as you're saying it, that last ending scrum. Going back to Cody saying, we're not going to lean on WWE retreads. And the closing had, like you said, had Goldust. Cody, Jack Swagger, or Jake Hager involved in a final angle where you could have been putting over this supposed new talent that you're trying to push, but you still leaned, and maybe it was just homage to WCW, Dusty Rhodes, whatever, to have that kind of finish. But to go to, to, go to Will's point, what's the point of Hager in that situation? Uh, you could have plucked him anywhere else. You obviously see him as a main event player because of his potentially his MMA background, hopefully more so than his WWE career. But it overshadowed. Like, I even forgot that Sammy Guevara was part of that running until we started talking about it. Yeah, Sammy Guevara kind of definitely slid into the picture at the last minute. It was like, hey, guys. Like, he kicked Here's Cody in the, in the balls, and then he got kicked in the balls. And, okay, that was it. Now what? So there was a post. I think there was a video uh, post about what happened, and Jericho had a comment, air quotes comment. It was a promo. And you basically just hear LAX in the background just doing the gun clack while Jericho's saying, tune in next week for my response. And I keep thinking, if this is a faction, 
Why? So going back to storytelling, that's going to matter because on paper, none of this makes sense aside from a couple of WWE retreads. Why? Um, yeah, no. Now, I guess that's, and that's one thing that they missed the mark on, I think, is that show ended. And outside of talking about next week being the tag title tourney and the Bucks and Private Party, they mm-hmm. didn't promote anything for next week. There wasn't any like, oh, next week we're going to see this or this guy's going to debut that you didn't see tonight. There was none of that. Not not that I've noticed at any darn point. It was everything was just there's the show. We have this big scrum at the end and just that's it. But there was no like tune in next week because uh, Sean Spears is going to debut and you haven't seen him yet. Or the Luchasaurus is going to be in action next week with the Jurassic Express. There was none of that was touched on. It was all just that that part they they could they could have I think hit better to that that's gonna be the big question is like next week what happens they they hit it out of the park this first week and we haven't we haven't said the uh, what happened with the ratings yet so I'll drop that in right here you know that they nailed it they got 1.4 million people to tune in for this premiere so they way exceeded a lot of expectations I think on what they were going to do and a NXT on the other hand that we haven't even really talked about yet NXT over on USA came in at a eight forty one, So they didn't even hit a, a million. So the, the, the interest level was definitely with AEW last night, but come next week, who know, how much of this was curiosity? How much of it was first time viewers? How much of it was just, Hey, we saw all these ads and now we're here. And, what did those people take away from this first show that they might want to come back next week? Was it just like, oh, there's just there's a bunch of wrestling? Did did it did it look different from WWE to them? Did it look I don't know if it stood out to people as something uniquely different? Now in the building, something I want to mention since for those of us that were there, I took note of kind of who seemed to be the most the most over people outside of like you know once you get past the elite. Once you get past Moxley, once you get past like the top WWE guys, you know, Jericho, Moxley and the elite, that's like your top crew that, you know, people knew that were like the stars that we could talk about. But outside of that, the people I seem to notice in the building that were getting the most reaction that people were talking about, that people were asking for going down the line. Obviously, Rio got over huge right behind her. Luchasaurus was getting mentioned all night. And luckily, he showed up in the very last dark match they had. But Luchasaurus is over. Behind him, I put Orange Cassidy, then MJF, and yeah, Hangman. Yeah, Orange Cassidy. Cassidy was massive. Yeah, Hang- yeah, Orange Cassidy was also in a dark match after they went off the air. And just him putting his hands in his pockets, people stood up. It was a, it was a scene. So at least in D.C., Orange Cassidy was over huge. Him and Luchasaurus would be the people that were in dark matches, I would say, are they got something there. So I would hope both so, of them are going to get some TV time next week. So a, a little bit of context for, from that statement is um, there were three dark matches after television aired. Uh, after TV went off the air. Um, there was, um, what was the SCU versus the Jungle Express mm-hmm. to close the show. Um, right. There was the women's, a women's tag match. Uh, B Priestley and... I don't remember versus. Yeah, B. Person and Fernando Ford versus uh, Britt Baker and um, 
Allie. Allie. Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. And uh, there, the match before that was an eight-man tag with uh, Private Party and... Mm-hmm. Best Friends. The Best Friends. Uh, yeah, with um, Orange Cassidy versus the Lucha Brothers and, uh, and Helico and Jack Evans. So, for me, I think that the first, the eight-man tag came on first, and crowd was still hyped after the, um, but definitely cooled off. And then the women's match kind of ground the hype to a, to a screeching halt. It died but I, It absolutely <laughs> died of death. It went over um, 10 minutes, and that was just too much for that time of the night. And, and right. However, as, and you put the emphasis on that time of the night, Luchasaurus got a massive pop. SCU mm-hmm. got a massive pop in a show that honestly could have been on the card. It could have really replaced MJF uh, versus Brandon Cutler with SCU and, and versus the Jungle Express, and it would have gone over huge. But, you know, storylines, and I understand why they didn't do that. So, uh, Lucha for, Soros, you, go ahead. Go, for you guys who are there, did they make an announcement about the dark matches being something used for TV later, or was it no. just a treat for y'all being in attendance? Uh, it, so, it was actually described as, hey, because we had a dark match before the show started at 7.30. Yeah, Seema C- Cima took on Darby Allen yes. before the show. Right. So there was four dark matches total. That coffin drop was nuts in, in person. Jesus Christ. But, um, yeah, Shima versus Darby Allen to kick off the festivities. Now, the three shows, because I was in the suite and we have a TV with a uh, closed-circuit feed on it, I was able to hear uh, the commentary, and I wondered, well, the show's off the air. Why are they still why are they, why are they doing three more matches well, for commentary? So I don't know why specifically. I, I hope... I hope that the, because three matches is an hour of TV. I'm interested to know if they actually plan on doing a um, kind of like a shotgun Saturday night type of a show or WCW worldwide type of a show. Well, we'll give you some a recap of the events of the main show with a bonus match that doesn't really mean anything. So that would be interesting if that footage was used at a later date. Um, because that, that Luchasaurus, uh, I'm sorry, Jungle Express versus SCU match, honestly should be on TV. It was, it was pretty damn entertaining. And it got, still got great reactions at quarter to 11 last night. So I don't think it was the crowd at that time of night, per se. I think it was the fact that the women's match really was lackluster. And Jungle yeah, they, Sor- they, you know, go ahead. The, the women's matches, something about it didn't click, it seemed, from the beginning. I'm not sure what it was. and I think, I think it was a combo of that, and they went way too long. Like, when they had, when they had straight had the 10-minute call on that match, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah. Doing 10 minutes? Yeah, <laughs> I was like, right? yeah, that was like, okay, yeah. But then, like, l- luckily, Jungle Boy showed up and all of them. Because as soon as they came out, the crowd woke right back up. But people in my section all night, we're mentioning Luchasaurus. So I knew early on, I was like, God, if he comes out here, he is going to get a reaction. So, so can that someone was... explain to me how Luchasaurus got so over? <laughs> Good question. I don't know. People love dinosaurs, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I had seen him in other promotions at Revolver before, but okay. But now seeing him on this stage and how AEW's fan base just gravitated toward him and Jungle Boy... 
even more okay. <laughs> I don't really understand it, but hey, a new star was made apparently. So I, I'm all for that. I just didn't know if you guys probably knew better than me how he got over, but if it's organic, fine. I, I guess it's just got to be through their YouTube stuff. Yeah, I'm guessing it's just got to be through their YouTube stuff that they put on. Uh, I, I mean, now's your thing. Because people weren't mentioning Marco and Jungle Boy. They were specifically mentioning Luchasaurus, is who I kept hearing. So, yeah, I don't know. That was wild. Well, as he's portrayed in the, um, as he's portrayed in the, uh, being the elite, uh, Jungle Boy is kind of like, you know, Mowgli from the Jungle Book. Mm-hmm. Um, and Marco Stunt was just thrown in there. And it really is shocking how tiny he is. But, Luchasaurus was the mouth is the mouthpiece of the Jungle Express, uh, you know the the well spoken you know master's degree a holder uh, <laughs> is actually the guy that dresses like a goddamn dinosaur and his is is uh, video entrance video is the the water the cup of water shaking from Jurassic Park, and even though it's just, the music is actually pretty terrible in AEW it's it's stark it's surprisingly bad. How generic it is. Yeah, it really they like, did. I like, noticed that too. They need to work on that. Getting some. They really need to talk to Paul Heyman's guy because it really sounds like old, you know, No Mercy video game music. Uh, so generic, but still, when they people saw that cup of water, uh, doing the Jurassic Park thing, it was a it was a pop for the cup of water because they knew Luchasaurus was coming, and 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 Jungle Boy is so good, like he's so good, and I really hope that even though they are, you know by design a mid-card act i think that's bs and if they're not if luchasaurus doesn't become AEW champion then i don't i don't know what the hell they're thinking yeah, that guy's a license to print money i've said this before and i'm gonna say it again the jurassic express is the one act i've seen so far in aew that them and probably orange cassidy would be the other one they're the two acts that they have that i see that they could actually market them to kids that they could do something with that they're they're just they're they're just cl- clear enough there's nothing risque about them they could they're the breakthrough acts that they could take past like just you know the the teen audience and all this and like that's the one thing that's kind of missing on the shows is and we didn't see last night there were kids there but not many it was very much an older audience in that building i didn't see what? a whole heck of a lot of kids but darn luchasaurus that could be marketed to families. Orange Cassidy, yeah, were, I think he easily can too. They were definitely going for the 18 to 49 year old male demo. Um, yes. And if you look at the ratings, they absolutely killed it. Uh, with yeah. that said, uh, if you look at the Luchasaurus Jungle Boy shirt, it's totally like a, car- a kid uh, friendly caricature. So, absolutely. You know, even though this Cody said that this isn't a show that we're going to market specifically to children, as WWE already does that, which is a good idea. Uh, Luchasaurus is just so damn good and so uh, likable with that whole, you know, I don't know if he does uh, what martial arts he actually practices, but you can tell in his strikes and his kicks and his uh, his movements that he's definitely doing something. And Luchas and Jungle Boy is so damn quick, so very good. And if they had a cruiserweight champion, you know, it, or an X division actually, uh, which well, we don't want to do that now, do we? But if they had something like that, uh, you know, he, I, just, I just want him to win. He's, they're just so likable. I want them to win everything. Give them all the belts. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
I, I figure we got it. We're over an hour in here. We got to switch gears. We've been doing all this AEW. We got to at least talk about Matt Riddle and uh, Adam Cole. Because that match, NXT opened with the title, which I thought was probably since they knew the Cody match and Sammy Guevara was starting the AEW show. I thought that was a strong move kind of programming wise. Now, obviously, I wasn't sitting home with with the remote or two screens going to see him going on at the same time. But I got home last night and before I went to bed. I made sure I was like, I got to watch that title match before I go to bed. So I made a point of watching Cole and Riddle before I went to sleep and my jaw was on the floor. That match was insane. <laughs> that was probably the best NXT title match. I think in a long time, and a lot of that I would chalk up to that it wasn't one of these uh, Gargano matches that go on for like over a half hour. It was it was a nice, tight, short, like maybe went about what maybe twenty, if even that. I'm not mm-hmm. sure with the commercials in it and everything, but I thought that was a tremendous TV match, and I mean it was the best thing on the NXT show. But I I loved that match. I'm, uh, Damian, I'm hoping you saw some of NXT last night. I did catch some of it. Uh, to be quite frank, uh, I didn't want to watch it because I want to give AEW my full attention. But I had to during during the Cody thing while I was at the gym. I said, okay, I've seen Sammy, I've seen Cody. Once I found out they were leading off with with Riddle and, and Cole, I had to turn, and it probably could have highlighted any takeover I've ever seen. It was a, I mean, from start to finish, they just went ham on each other from jump. And yep, if you if you went to the bathroom, if you went to get food, you would have been sorely disappointed. Because you would have missed something, even though it was hard hitting. Uh, the women's match with Candice and Shayna. Uh, Shayna could just stay a champ forever. I don't care. Let, just keep her at NXT now that we're going to have, to Jamal's point, all these WWE graduates who are going down to NXT, like Finn Balor now is officially an NXT member. I like it. Just keep Shayna there. Johnny Gargano is going to be, a, somebody mentioned it. I don't know if it was you, Will, that called him the next Tommy Dreamer. For NXT, Johnny Gargano. Oh, me, but I can Johnny see Gargano that. is their Tommy Dreamer. He'll win the big one once, but he'll be a loyalist and stick around because you still need someone. Now that 205 Live is going to be absorbed into NXT full time, uh, I honestly think those were the highlights. Mia Yim versus uh, Io Shirai as a women's wrestling person. I, I, I love them both. You know, I like Io better than than Mia. But it was good. And the tag team match, while not as good as their their takeover match, the Street Profits, you know what? Not for nothing. Someone did say this on Twitter. I don't know who, who said it. But as far as being a homegrown NXT talent, they fit in with the indie spot fest crowd. And NXT might be too perfect for them. This is why they're on Raw. They're just doing vignettes. This way, they can work on their mic skills get their entertaining vignettes in and inevitably when they move them up to the main roster, they're not lost doing, you know, Montez doing all the flippy stuff. They can actually add some substance as opposed to just the flash. But overall, I thought it was a, I thought it was a good B show. Also. I mean, I'm not, I'm not one of those liberal graders where I'm thinking everything's a plus, but for, I'm surprised for only 800 some odd thousand people watching NXT. That's surprising. I thought the numbers yeah. would have been a little bit closer than that. I thought they both would have cracked 950 at least. 
because of the strong lead in the last two weeks for NXT and the fact that we didn't see that is very telling. Is this a one-hit wonder for AEW where it's the new thing, so now we're going to go back to the status quo? I don't think we're going to get anything decided in the next, maybe what, six weeks to really get a good gauge on where the war is happening or where it's heading. But for, for yesterday's show, it was a solid B NXT show. That title match leading off, if I would have been in the crowd, I kind of would have lost all my energy at that point because it was such <laughs> a good match. Uh, but overall, if I had to watch them both again, I'd watch AEW again just because to see things, you know, seeing it on TNT, Tony Schiavone on commentary, even though he's not the greatest commenta- uh, commentator in the world, I enjoyed watching it. So if I had to watch it again, I'd say AEW. Yeah, I saw the NXT. Matt Riddle and uh, and, and um, Adam Cole match. I, yeah, and I saw it, and it was great. It was fantastic. Yes. It um, it's going to be a lot of people's end of the year uh, conversations. Yep. Um, however, I think NXT kind of set the bar. I don't want to say not too high. It definitely didn't set it too high. But I do not believe that NXT can and will maintain this near takeover level of of caliber of show from week to week. Whereas AEW has given you nothing but what they've given you right now. So, for, for better or worse, because we've obviously outlined the problems with AEW show, uh, their first show. So, as good as that was, and as good as that was to try to you know, grab some attention from TNT, <clears throat> are they going to do it again next week? Tommaso Ciampa came back, sure. But are they going to give him 30 minutes um, to, to do a thing? Finn Balor came back. Are we going to see the demon, you know, in two weeks? I don't think so. And I have no reason to believe that any of the AEW, any of the AEW roster can't go the way they did. And we still haven't seen all of them. We don't know what Sean Spears is going to do. Moxley hasn't had a match yet. So I think that kind of, for me, uh, the freshness and the newness of AEW, um, and obviously because I was there, definitely want to hear that moment these moments on TV again, but for NXT, um, they're going to have to pull a rabbit out of their ass every week to match uh, on a weekly basis because they don't yeah. have the names yet. Go ahead, Will. Yeah, yeah. The um, I loved that Cole and Riddle like they immediately hit the gas soon as they soon as that bell rang. There was no like, okay, we're going to ease into this. They nope. they seemed like they were sent out there with the idea that like you guys go out there and you just go right to it. We don't, we want, we don't want people flipping channels, like grab people's attention immediately and then do not let go. Just plow through. And they did that, which was a hell of a way to start the show. I totally agree with what, um, Damien was saying about the ladies match. Uh, God, Shayna is just on another level as far as like a character, the way she's presented and just presented different than everybody else. And I, I, Think a lot of people were hoping, okay, her story was going to come to an end last night and you put the title on Candace. But I think it was smart to keep it on Shayna just because she's so unique. She's so different than everybody else. So she stands out in that crowd, in that scene of women wrestlers. So I like that a lot. I think there's still a lot of mileage you can get with Shayna as champion and just having her as like a totally different type of woman within the women's wrestling scene. Uh, the big thing I think now is NXT, it, it dropped 11% yes. from the prior week. It went down 11%. How much of that was 
when you compare that to the 1.4 million that AEW got, it's like, how much was that people who were watching NXT before that decided to watch Dynamite instead? Or was this Dynamite crowd a whole lot of just new people who weren't watching NXT? Is it a totally separate audience? Is it, like Cody's been saying, is it returners who are, like, coming back that weren't watching wrestling at all recently? It's a matter of who are these new fans and what they're going to be doing. The way I thought about it today, when all was said and done, when I watched the rest of NXT today, in a lot of ways, I thought NXT last night was a better wrestling show, but AEW came across as a bigger and better event. It was a happening, and that's what NXT was missing. NXT was a really good wrestling show, but AEW had just had all the hype behind it and just the look of that building and everything in the production-wise where it was like, this is an event. And it's really weird to say that, to say last night, WWE was outdone in a, on a production sense because that's just not something, an area that Vince loses in. But last night he did with just you know r- running at full sale, and that makes me wonder, are they going to get the heck out of full sale just on the respect of them being like, we can't be running this tiny building when we can just as easily have a, ma- a show that looks just as good as theirs. We just need to have it in a bigger building. So are they going to hone in on that as like, where they think they might be falling short, or I don't know. I mean, maybe next week they end up neck and neck. It, it It's all going to, I think, depend on how this shakes out over the next couple of weeks. And a whole other factor is, you know, next hey, a month from now, we'll be heading into, we'll be starting to head towards the holidays. And I think all the viewing patterns kind of get thrown out of whack then anyway. Right. So where right. this all settles out, I really don't know. We might be waiting into, you know, early 2020 till after we get through New Year's to really have an idea where these shows truly stand on Wednesday night. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think definitely it's going to be an interesting way to go about it. As far as using full sale, I think that was kind of my biggest thing about when uh, the move to USA Network was announced. And they said that, no, we're committed to full sale. Really? Well, okay. I mean, sure. Uh, because they because they have the notoriety. I mean, they they go on the road. I mean, that's... They have a, a traveling uh, team and they have a Florida-based team. So I'm just kind of surprised that they stick to that instead of taking it out on the road every week. But then again, this is the Spike show. How much money does Vince want to put in NXT? And with his embedded uh, production area, with this partnership with Full Sail, you know, getting people to work and you know, gain um, uh, professionalism through the WWE programming and internships, that's these are costs that they don't have to cover that are so unassociated with it versus bringing them on the road to beautiful South Haven, Mississippi, or <laughs> or, or, or lovely uh, Covington, Kentucky, uh, Co- yeah, Covington, Kentucky, or uh, Rosemont, Illinois. Don't forget that's, NXT that's, Bridgeport. <laughs> I was there, man, uh, and it's an indelible moment in history. I really but, thought yeah, y'all no. were joking with some of these locations, but wow, okay. No, I'm no, I'm dead serious. Uh, they, they, I, I saw NXT in um, in beautiful Covington, Kentucky, on the road to Chicago uh, last year was for Takeover Chicago, um, two years ago, and I was at uh, Takeover Bridgeport, okay, which was named uh, Takeover Twenty Five, I guess. Um, and they came here and they played at a at a club uh, here, uh, in DC, uh, the one time that they went, and they, you know, NXT Joppa 
is, is a thing that they do every year. So, so they go on the road, and it's surprising that they haven't brought TV with them. But then again, is to just spite AEW. So, uh, with them being in full sale, the wrestling will save them. It, it has gotten them this far, but AEW they're off to a good start, not the best start, and. It will be interesting to see what they have going forward. They can obviously, they've shown that they can keep a secret too. Nobody knew or was wondering about whether or not uh, Jack Swagger, Jake Hager was coming, where, where his whereabouts were. And here he was. And nobody was expecting that until like the last minute. So, uh, as the, you know, there are more leaks in WWE than the White House. So. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what they do going forward. It'd be interesting to see what the other half of the roster does on TV going forward. But it was it was a solid two hours from both sides last night. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a good time to to be a fan, and, and and just imagine we we still have the Fox debut of SmackDown tomorrow night Jeez, with The Rock, and yeah, I I don't even know what I'm I don't know what to expect from that show, but Kofi's I think it's gonna be a title. Well, yeah, duh, there you go. Duh. See, I'm even forgetting about that because I'm thinking, oh, The Rock's going to be there and all this. All the, the glitz and, you know, extra sizzle they're trying to throw on that show. I mean, we're talking about, you know, 1.4 million for AEW. I, I would imagine tomorrow night that SmackDown's going to do a monster number coming off all the NFL hype they've gotten and The Rock being on the show. And I don't know if it's necessarily going to be much of a show. Maybe we get a. I guess we're gonna have a ladder match too with a uh, Shane O'Mac and a uh, Kevin Owens. Yeah. So probably between that and the Kofi match, they'll probably they'll try to do some crazy stuff in there. But that that show is I don't know what to expect from it. But that's gonna be kind of the capper on a a week that we even have a pay per view on Sunday. But it's like the TV is the big story this week, and then of course next week we'll go right into the draft. So I mean this we are on an insane like whirlwind hurricane of just there is just stuff happening one after another is like soon as something happens there's another thing just right around the corner it's, and how quickly did we forget monday's season premiere of raw already <laughs> right with the pyro and the new set and it's like i mean this week's nuts it's nuts and it, it seems like it's gonna be like this all the time well luckily I, after hell in a cell everything will go back to normal you can hope i mean I don't know that these Wednesdays are going to be crazy. I, I've said anything I got to say. Is there anything else anyone wants to chime in on? Any final thoughts before we wrap this up? We've, I think we've covered Wednesday night from every possible angle from last night. Go ahead, Jamal, well, I, think, I have yeah. some things I have to wrap up at the end. So go ahead. Okay, so so I think the last thing that uh, we we that I got to say is we've literally have four matches announced for Hell in a Cell. So I don't know what they're going to do for the pre-show. I don't know what they're going to do for the rest of the card unless we have four hour long Iron, match, Iron Man matches oh, for the main card of Hell in a Cell. Um, it seems that they are somehow spread too thin and they have the deepest roster that they ever had WWE. So, you know, interesting. If you haven't checked out the Tony Khan uh, post uh, AEW scrum, media scrum afterwards, there's some really good tidbits in there as far as uh, insights from the show and, and the behind the scenes product. Um, some other storylines that stuff needs to be on YouTube or something, mm. and that's that the Wrestling Inks or uh, Wrestling Observers YouTube page that, that needs to be an actual, um, 
you know, part of their post show inside the NBA like show that they do for Bleacher Report. That's your Bleacher. That's that's your BR live uh, subscription right there. They need something like that that adds a little bit of substance, and I love those uh, post uh, show uh, things with the guys talking about it, furthering storylines. If you didn't see MJF do it, uh, his post show uh, interviews, it's fantastic, and I hate him, but. <laughs> That stuff needs to be mass produced, professionally produced, and then put out there as part of a pro show package. I'm done. So the first thing I want to harp on is that Monday season premiere. Uh, the Fiend is probably my only reason to tune into WWE programming, only because it's it feels fresh in terms of everything else that's been stale, especially with the male WWE wrestlers. Aside from Kofi's big win, I really haven't had much to really get invested in in WWE. So the Fiend running roughshod over over everyone, and I and I really thought on Monday he was gonna attack Hogan and Flair, and shame on the crowd for screaming one more match for Hogan and Flair, even though it's for Blood Money pay per view. No, Hogan and Flair should never, unless it's in a geriatric resting home. They should never come to blows ever again. And if that if it was Legends House and they went to the old folks' home, I'd watch that. But I don't want to see them kerfuffle for about five minutes, pose, and then flop around like dead fish. So shame on the crowd for saying one more match. The whole Team Hogan versus <laughs> a Team Flair thing. You have Rusev and, and Rollins on one team, Corbin and Orton on the other. I don't totally care. forgot the Rusev uh, cuckold. Yes, thing. and that's what I was I know. God, I forgot that. about that too. Oh, Rusev getting cuckolded by Bobby Lashley because oh, someone God. in production has been watching too much porn in the back. Blacked. They, yes. you know, they got a subscription to Black, so they definitely do. Oh, yep. it was so Heyman it is was booking so through porn categories. <laughs> it's hilarious. I, I, I saw her come out. I'm thinking, okay, cool, interesting. Oh, they're wow. just hugging. Okay, great. Oh no, they're taking it to the next level. And then that the face that Rusev makes, that face is the face of a man that was like, wait a minute, y'all didn't clear this with me backstage fully. There's lip contact here. This isn't a fake Hollywood kiss. Uh, no. So I, it got people talking for what a day and a half, and then Wednesday yeah. came and blew it out the water. So it feels like six months ago. It really does. It feels like it was yeah. forever. That that was like the hot topic, like Tuesday morning, and and yes. it, it blew up on YouTube. It, it it definitely worked as far as like getting attention. But God, yeah, by Wednesday it was like no one cares. It's like I totally forgot about that too. The show closing a raw with Lana and and Bobby, and I'll, I'll give it to Bobby. The, the I think what made that whole segment was him going back in for like seconds and thirds. Uh-huh. Well, one time was going to be kiss, Like yeah, all right, well go ahead, Bobby. That's but here's the thing. <laughs> That's the most pizzazz Bobby Lashley has shown in his entire career, and it had to be True when that. he was on air cuckolding someone's wife. Go figure. <laughs> oh my god! And uh, I'd be Love remiss it. if I didn't mention Battle Club Pro this past weekend. Uh, anything you can do, all gen- intergender wrestling. Uh, the standouts for me: T- Shotzi Blackheart drove uh, a toy tank to the ring, like one of those Power Wheel tanks for her match. Nice. I, I popped immensely. I screamed. She has an effing tank. 
on the top of my lungs. <laughs> I thought it was awesome. Uh, Tesla Blanchard had a good match uh, with Anthony Bowens, who's their, you know, their male champ over there in Battle Club. But it was also the last independent show for now uh, for LAX. Oh, uh, now Santana Ortiz, proud and powerful, and it was one of the most fun matches I've ever seen because they were joking throughout the whole time, using a lot of their old signature moves from when they wrestled Beyond and House of Glory. So, if anyone who followed them on the East Coast saw all their EYFBO shtick during that match mm. with the Sea Stars, and then they cut this really impassioned promo about how they don't see women's wrestlers they just see wrestlers i know they've cut that in other promotions but that being their last independent show and it being a hometown crowd in new york city for those guys it was a proper send-off and they even noticed hey this is our last show for now because they don't know if they're gonna get ever gonna get fired so they're like for now but it was tongue-in-cheek but it was a great show for anyone who missed it go to title match network it's on there. You get their first 30 days free if you sign up. If you're a new subscriber, just check that out. They got some big stuff coming in in the later months from more women's wrestlers that are going to be coming in that are going to be bigger names than what they bought in. Not to say Tessa's not a big name, but they're going to have even bigger names coming up. So be on the lookout. Battle Club Pro on uh, YouTube, on Sound, not SoundCloud, <laughs> on YouTube, on Twitter, on Instagram at X Battle Club Pro. Uh, they are my hometown promotion back in New York. I love them. Uh, they they treat everybody like family, and it was a great freaking show. So Title Match Network, first 30 days free. Check it out. And if you check it out, let me know, DamonG347 on Twitter. We can debate it. We can talk about it. But that's that's pretty much my contribution this week in independent wrestling because I think we're a little busy on Wednesday, and we'll be a little busy on Friday. And I forgot that there was a women's Hell in the Cell match with Becky and Sasha. Okay. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. you know, okay, cool. I like both. Eh. WWE, they stretch themselves too thin with arguably the deepest roster of well-known names, and they've done nothing with it, to your point, Jamal. And I think that is a travesty for all the talent that they have that they're wasting on places like Main Event, or now they're thinking, well, we're just going to send people to NXT now, or 205, which is going to be part of NXT. Good problems to have if you're Vince McMahon. Bad problems to have if you have four years left on your contract. Right. <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking we're going to be getting a lot of matches for uh, Hell in a Cell either announced on their Twitter feed or through the app or something like that this weekend. Because I can't imagine they're going to be too concerned with that tomorrow night during SmackDown. Maybe they add one or two. But the focus, I'm sure, I think that they are so just focused on the TV product right now. This pay-per-view is kind of just falling through the cracks, but it is what it is. Speaking of that Battle Club show, I saw a lot of great pictures of that online over the weekend. That show looked like it was nothing but fun, so I, I got to check that out on the Title Match Network myself. That looked like just a blast between Shotzi and the Tank and all the photos of LAX's send-off. That, that looked like a hell of an event last weekend. So... Yeah, there's if there's possibly a thing as too much wrestling, we might be living through it right now, <laughs> having so many options at our fingertips. But I think that's going to do it for this week. Our boy Two Chains didn't get to tag in at any point as he's on the bus. But, geez, if you're interested in what's going on at New York Comic Con, he is there. He's going to be talking to all kinds of people. So you're going to want to check out his social media or the BigGoldBelt.com website or the Big Gold Belt feed. I mean... 
I'm sure he's going to be putting stuff out all weekend because, God, he's got all his cameras and his microphones. And from what I saw last time he went to convention, he meets everybody. He meets everybody and he talks to everybody and he records most all of it. So he's going to have a lot of coverage if you're looking to know what's going on in New York this weekend. And in fact, I know uh, All Elite Wrestling is up there and involved with some stuff. And I think he's going to be on the scene for part of that. So we might have some firsthand uh, stuff from the All Elite Wrestling crew this weekend, too. So Mm. we'll see as uh, New York Comic Con unfolds. But otherwise, I think we are done. Gentlemen, that's it, I hope. Yep. All right, we will pull the plug then. Gentlemen, Giant Crab, Jamal, and Damien, thanks for coming on. Another week in the book's big gold belt. We will see you next week, folks, and watch some wrestling and take a breath and get some sleep. Please. (laughs) (laughs) Have a good one, folks. See you next week.